Book Twenty Two of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument: The Death of Hector. The Trojans, being safe within the walls. Hector only stays to oppose Achilles. Priam is struck at his approach, and tries to persuade his son to re-enter the town. Hecuba joins his entreaties, but in vain. Hector consults within himself what measures to take, but at the advance of Achilles his resolution fails him, and he flies. Achilles pursues him thrice round the walls of Troy. The gods debate concerning the fate of Hector. At length Minerva descends to the aid of Achilles. She deludes Hector in the shape of Deiphobus. He stands the combat and is slain. Achilles drags the dead body at his chariot in the sight of Priam and Hecuba their lamentations, tears, and despair. Their cries reach the ears of Andromache, who, ignorant of this, was retired into the inner part of the palace. She mounts up to the walls and beholds her dead husband. She swoons at the spectacle, her excess of grief and lamentation. The thirtieth day still continues. The scene lies under the walls and on the battlements of Troy. Thus they, from panic flight, like timorous fawns, within the walls escaping, dried their sweat and drank and quenched their thirst, reclining safe on the fair battlements. But nearer drew with slanted shields the Greeks. Yet. Hector, still in front of Ilium and the Sean Gate, stayed by his evil doom, remained without. Then Phoebus, thus to Peleus's godlike son, Achilles, why with active feet pursue? Thou mortal, me immortal, knowest thou not my godhead? That so hot thy fury burns? Or heedst thou not that all the Trojan host, Whom thou hast scared, while thou art here withdrawn, Within the walls a refuge safe have found? On me thy sword is vain, I know not death. Enraged Achilles, swift of foot, replied, Deep is the injury, far-darting king, most hostile of the gods, that at thy hand I bear, who here hast lured me from the walls, which many a Trojan else had failed to reach, ere by my hand they bit the bloody dust. Me of immortal honour thou hast robbed, and them thyself from vengeance safe hast saved, 
had I the power, that vengeance thou shouldst feel. Thus saying, and on mightiest deeds intent, he turned him cityward with fiery speed, as when a horse, contending for the prize, whirls the swift car and stretches o'er the plain, e'en so with active limbs Achilles raced. Him first the aged Priam's eyes discerned, scouring the plain, in arms all dazzling bright, like to the autumnal star, whose brilliant ray shines eminent amid the depth of night, whom men the dog-star of Orion call. The brightest he, but sign to mortal man of evil augury and fiery heat. So shone the brass upon the warrior's breast. The old man groaned aloud, and lifting high his hands, he beat his head, and with loud voice called on his son, imploring. He, unmoved, held post before the gates, awaiting there Achilles' fierce encounter. Him, his sire, with hands outstretched and piteous tone addressed. Hector, my son, await not here alone that warrior's charge, lest thou to fate succumb beneath Pelides' arm, thy better far. Accursed be he, would that the immortal gods so favoured him as I. Then should his corpse soon to the vultures and the dogs be given, so should my heart a load of anguish lose, by whom I am of many sons bereaved, many and brave, whom he has slain or sold to distant isles in slavery, and e'en now within the city walls I look in vain. For two, Lycian brave, and Polydor, my gallant sons, by fair Laothi, if haply yet they live, with brass and gold their ransom shall be paid, good store of these we can command, for with his daughter fair, a wealthy dowry aged Altes gave. But to the viewless shades should they have gone deep where their mother's sorrow and my own but of the general public well i know far lighter were the grief than if they heard that thou hadst fallen beneath achilles's hand then enter now my son the city gates and of the women and the men of troy be still the guardian, nor to Peleus's son with thine own life immortal glory give. Look too on me with pity, me on whom, e'en on the threshold of mine age, hath Jove a bitter burthen cast, condemned to see my son struck down my daughters dragged away in servile bonds, our chamber's sanctity invaded, 
and our babes by hostile hands dashed to the ground and by ferocious greeks enslaved the widows of my slaughtered sons on me at last the ravening dogs shall feed when by some foeman's hand by sword or lance my soul shall from my body be divorced those very dogs which i myself have bred fed at my table guardians of my gates shall lap my blood and overgorged shall lie e'en on my threshold that a youth should fall victim to mars beneath a foeman's spear may well beseem his years and if he fall with honour though he die yet glorious he but when the hoary head and hoary beard and naked corpse to ravening dogs are given no sadder sight can wretched mortals see the old man spoke and from his head he tore the hoary hair yet hector firm remained then to the front his mother rushed in tears her bosom bare with either hand her breast sustaining and with tears addressed him thus hector my child thy mother's breast revere and on this bosom if thine infant woes have e'er been hushed bear now in mind dear child the debt thou owest and from within the walls ward off this fearful man nor in the field encounter cursed be he should he prevail and slay thee not upon the funeral bed my child my own the offspring of my womb shall i deplore thee nor thy widowed wife but far away beside the grecian ships thy corpse shall to the ravening dogs be given thus they with tears and earnest prayers imploring addressed their son yet hector firm remained waiting the approach of peleus's godlike son as when a snake upon the mountain-side with deadly venom charged beside his hole awaits the traveller and filled with rage coiled round his hole his baleful glances darts so filled with dauntless courage hector stood scorning retreat his gleaming buckler propped against the jutting tower then deeply moved thus with his warlike soul communion held oh woe is me if i should enter now the city gates i should the just reproach encounter of polydamus who first his counsel gave within the walls to lead the trojan forces on that fatal night when great achilles in the field appeared i heeded not his counsel would i had now 
since my folly hath the people slain i well might blush to meet the trojan men and long-robed dames of troy lest some might say to me inferior far this woeful loss to hector's blind self-confidence we owe thus shall they say twere better far or from achilles slain in open fight back to return in triumph or myself to perish nobly in my country's cause what if my bossy shield i lay aside and stubborn helmet and my ponderous spear propping against the wall go forth to meet the unmatched achilles what if i engage that helen's self and with her all the spoil and all that paris in his hollow ships brought here to troy whence first this war arose should be restored and to the greeks be paid an ample tribute from the city's store her secret treasures and hereafter bind the trojans by their elders solemn oaths not to withhold but fairly to divide what heir of wealth our much-loved city holds but wherefore entertain such thoughts my soul should i so meet him what if he should show nor pity nor remorse but slay me there defenceless as a woman and unarmed not this the time nor he the man with whom by forest oak or rock like youth and maid to hold light talk as youth and maid might hold better to dare the fight and know at once to whom the victory is decreed by heaven thus as he stood he mused but near approached achilles terrible as plumed mars from his right shoulder brandishing aloft the ashen spear of peleus while around flashed his bright armour dazzling as the glare of burning fire or of the rising sun hector beheld and trembled at the sight nor dared he there await the attack but left the gates behind and terror-stricken fled forward with flying foot pelides rushed as when a falcon bird of swiftest flight from some high mountain-top on timorous dove swoops fiercely down she from beneath in fear evades the stroke he dashing through the brake shrill shrieking pounces on his destined prey so hector flying from his keen pursuit beneath the walls his active sinews plied they by the watch-tower and beneath the wall where stood the wind-beat fig-tree raced amain along the public road until they reached the fairly flowing fount whence issued forth from double source scamander's eddying streams 
one with hot current flows, and from beneath, as from a furnace, clouds of steam arise. Midsummer's heat, the other rises cold as hail, or snow, or water crystallized. Beside the fountains stood the washing troughs of well-wrought stone, where erst the wives of Troy and daughters fair their choicest garments washed in peaceful times ere came the sons of Greece. There raced they, one in flight and one pursuing. Good he who fled, but better who pursued with fiery speed, for on that race was staked no common victim, no ignoble ox. The prize at stake was mighty Hector's life. As when the solid-footed horses fly around the course, contending for the prize, tripod, or woman, of her lord bereft, so raced they thrice around the walls of Troy with active feet. And all the gods beheld. Then thus began the sire of gods and men, a woeful sight mine eyes behold a man i love in flight around the walls my heart for hector grieves who now upon the crown of deeply furrowed ida now again on ilium's heights with fat of choicest bowls hath piled mine altar whom around the walls with flying speed Achilles now pursues. Give me your counsel, gods, and say, from death if we shall rescue him, or must he die, brave as he is, beneath Pelides' hand? To whom the blue-eyed goddess Pallas thus O father, lightning flashing, cloud-girt king, what words are these? Wouldst thou, a mortal man, long doomed by fate, again from death preserve? Do as thou wilt, but not with our consent. To whom the cloud-compeller thus replied, be of good cheer, my child. Unwillingly I speak, yet both thy wishes to oppose. Have then thy will, and draw not back thy hand. His words fresh impulse gave to Pallas's zeal, and from Olympus's heights in haste she sped. Meanwhile, on Hector, with untiring hate, the swift Achilles pressed, as when a hound through glen and tangled brake pursues a fawn, roused from its lair upon the mountainside, and if a while it should evade pursuit, low crouching in the copse, yet quests he back, searching unwearied till he finds the trace, so Hector sought to baffle 
but in vain, the keen pursuit of Peleus's active son. Oft as he sought the shelter of the gates beneath the well-built towers, if haply thence his comrades' weapons might some aid afford, so oft his foemen with superior speed would cut him off and turn him to the plain. He toward the city still essayed his flight, and as in dreams when one pursues in vain, one seeks in vain to fly, the other seeks as vainly to pursue, so could not now Achilles reach, nor Hector quit his foe. Yet how should Hector now the doom of death have scaped, had not Apollo once again, and for the last time, to his rescue come, and given him strength and suppleness of limb, then to the crowd Achilles, with his head, made sign that none at Hector should presume to cast a spear, lest one might wound, and so the greater glory obtain, while he himself must be contented with the second place. But when the fourth time in their rapid course the founts were reached, the eternal father hung his golden scales aloft and placed in each the lots of doom for great achilles one for hector one and held them by the midst down sank the scale weighted with hector's death down to the shades and phoebus left his side then to Pelides came the blue-eyed maid, and stood beside him, and bespoke him thus. Achilles, loved of heaven, I trust that now to thee and me great glory shall accrue in Hector's fall, insatiate of the fight. Escape he cannot now, though at the feet of aegis-bearing Jove on his behalf with earnest prayer apollo prostrate fall but stay thou here and take thy breath while i persuade him to return and dare the fight so pallas spoke and he with joy obeying stood leaning on his brass-barbed ashen spear the goddess left him there, and went, the form and voice assuming of Deiphobus, in search of godlike Hector. Him she found, and standing near, with winged words addressed, Sorely, good brother, hast thou been bested by fierce Achilles, who around the walls hath chased thee with swift foot. Now stand we both for mutual succour, and his onset wait. To whom great Hector of the glancing helm. Deiphobus, of all my brothers, 
sons of Hecuba and Priam, thou hast been still dearest to my heart, and now the more I honour thee, who darest on my behalf, seeing my peril, from within the walls to sally forth, while others skulk behind. To whom the blue-eyed goddess thus replied, with many prayers, good brother, both our sire and honoured mother, and our comrades all, successively implored me to remain. Such fear is fallen on all. But in my soul, on thine account, too deep a grief I felt. Now forward, boldly, spare we not our spears. Make trial if achilles to the ships from both of us our bloody spoils can bear or by thine arm himself may be subdued thus pallas leered him on with treacherous wile but when the two were met and close at hand first spoke great hector of the glancing helm no more before thee, Peleus's son, I fly. Thrice have I fled around the walls, nor dared await thine onset. Now my spirit is roused to stand before thee, to be slain or slay. But let us first the immortal gods invoke, the surest witnesses and guardians they of compacts at my hand no foul disgrace shalt thou sustain if jove with victory shall crown my firm endurance and thy life to me be forfeit of thine armour stripped i promise thee achilles to the greeks thy body to restore do thou the like with fierce regard achilles answered thus hector thou object of my deadly hate talk not to me of compacts as tween men and lions no firm concord can exist nor wolves and lambs in harmony unite but ceaseless enmity between them dwells so not in friendly terms nor compact firm can thou and i unite till one of us glut with his blood the mail-clad warrior mars mind thee of all thy fence behooves thee now to prove a spearman skilled and warrior brave for thee escape is none now by my spear hath pallas doomed thy death my comrade's blood which thou hast shed shall all be now avenged he said and poising hurled his weighty spear but hector saw and shunned the blow he stooped and o'er his shoulder flew the brass-tipped spear and in the ground was fixed. But 
Pallas drew the weapon forth, and to Achilles' hand, all unobserved of Hector, gave it back. Then Hector, thus to Peleus' matchless son, Thine aim has failed, nor truly has my fate, thou godlike son of Peleus, been to thee from heaven revealed. Such was indeed thy boast, but flippant was thy speech, and subtly framed to scare me with big words, and make me prove false to my wanted prowess and renown. Not in my back will I receive thy spear, but through my breast confronting thee, if Jove have to thine arm indeed such triumph given. Now, if thou canst, my spear in turn elude, may it be deeply buried in thy flesh. For lighter were to Troy the load of war, if thou, the greatest of her foes, wert slain. He said, and poising hurled his ponderous spear, nor missed his aim. Full in the midst he struck Pelides' shield, but glancing from the shield the weapon bounded off. Hector was grieved that thus his spear had bootless left his hand. He stood aghast, no second spear was nigh, and loudly on Deiphobus called a spear to bring. But he was far away. Then Hector knew that he was duped, and cried, O heaven, the gods above have doomed my death. I deemed indeed that brave Deiphobus was near at hand, but he within the walls is safe, and I by Pallas am betrayed. Now is my death at hand, nor far away. Escape is none, since so hath Jove decreed, and Jove's far-darting son who heretofore have been my guards, my fate hath found me now. Yet not without a struggle let me die, nor all inglorious, but let some great act, which future days may hear of, mark my fall. Thus, as he spoke, his sharp-edged sword he drew, Ponderous and vast, suspended at his side, collected for the spring, and forward dashed. As when an eagle, bird of loftiest flight, through the dark clouds swoops downward on the plain to seize some tender lamb or cowering hare, so Hector rushed and waved his sharp-edged sword. Achilles' wrath was roused, with fury wild his soul was filled. Before his breast he bore his well-wrought shield, and fiercely on his brow nodded the four-plumed helm, as on the breeze floated the golden hairs with which the crest 
by Vulcan's hand was thickly interlaced. And as amid the stars' unnumbered host, when twilight yields to night, one star appears, Hesper, the brightest star that shines in heaven, gleamed the sharp-pointed lance, which in his right Achilles poised on godlike Hector's doom intent, and scanning eagerly to see where from attack his body least was fenced all else the glittering armour guarded well which hector from patroclus's corpse had stripped one chink appeared just where the collar-bone the neck and shoulder parts besides the throat where lies exposed the swiftest road of death there levelled he as Hector onward rushed, right through the yielding neck the lance was driven. But severed not the windpipe, nor destroyed his power of speech. Prone in the dust he fell, and o'er him vaunting, thus Achilles spoke. <laughs> Hector, Patroclus stripping of his arms, thy hope was that thyself wast safe and i not present brought no terror to thy soul fool in the hollow ships i yet remained i his avenger mightier far than he i who am now thy conqueror by the dogs and vultures shall thy corpse be foully torn while him the greeks with funeral rites shall grace whom answered hector of the glancing helm prostrate and helpless by thy soul thy knees thy parents heads achilles i beseech let not my corpse from grecian dogs be torn except the ample stores of brass and gold which as my ransom by my honoured sire and mother shall be paid thee but my corpse restore that so the men and wives of troy may deck with honours due my funeral pyre to whom with fierce aspect achilles thus knee me no knees vile hound nor prate to me of parents such my hatred that almost i could persuade myself to tear and eat thy mangled flesh such wrongs i have to avenge he lives not who can save thee from the dogs not though with ransom ten and twenty-fold he here should stand and yet should promise more no not though priam's royal self should sue to be allowed for gold to ransom thee no not e'en so thy mother shall obtain to lay thee out upon the couch and mourn o'er thee her offspring 
but on all thy limbs shall dogs and carrion vultures make their feast to whom thus hector of the glancing helm dying i know thee well nor did i hope to change thy purpose iron is thy soul but see that on thy head i bring not down the wrath of heaven <laughs> when by the sean gate the hand of paris with apollo's aid <laughs> brave warrior as thou art shall strike thee down e'en as he spoke his eyes were closed in death and to the viewless shades his spirit fled mourning his fate his youth and vigour lost to him though dead achilles thus replied die thou my fate i then shall meet when e'er jove and the immortal gods shall so decree he said and from the corpse his spear withdrew and laid aside then stripped the armour off with blood besmeared the greeks around him thronged gazing on hector's noble form and face and none approached that did not add a wound and one to other looked and said good faith hector is easier far to handle now than when erewhile he wrapped our ships in fire thus would they say then stab the dead anew but when the son of peleus swift of foot had stripped the armour from the corpse he rose and standing thus the assembled greeks addressed o friend the chiefs and counsellors of greece since heaven hath granted us this man to slay whose single arm hath wrought us more of ill than all the rest combined advance we now before the city in arms and trial make what is the mind of troy if hector slain they from the citadel intend retreat or still despite their loss their ground maintain but wherefore entertain such thoughts my soul beside the ships unwept unburied lies patroclus whom i never can forget while numbered with the living and my limbs have power to move in hades though the dead may be forgotten yet e'en there will i the memory of my loved companion keep now to the ships return we sons of greece glad paeans singing with us he shall go 
great glorious hours, the godlike Hector slain, the pride of Troy, and as a god revered. And foully Hector's corpse misused. Of either foot he pierced the tendon through, that from the ankle passes to the heel, and to his chariot bound with leathern thongs, leaving the head to trail along the ground. Then mounted, with the captured arms, his car, and urged his horses. Nothing loth, they flew. A cloud of dust the trailing body raised. Loose hung his glossy hair, and in the dust was laid that noble head, so graceful once, now to foul insult doomed by Jove's decree, in his own country by a foeman's hand. So lay the head of Hector. At the sight his aged mother tore her hair, and far from off her head the glittering veil she threw, and with loud cries her slaughtered son bewailed. Piteous his father groaned, and all around was heard the voice of wailing and of woe. Such was the cry, as if the beetling height of Ilium all were smouldering in the fire. Scarce in his anguish could the crowd restrain. The old man, from issuing through the Dardan gates, low in the dust he rolled, imploring all, entreating by his name each several man. Forbear, my friends, though sorrowing, stay me not. Leave me to reach alone the Grecian ships, and there implore this man of violence, this haughty chief, if haply he my years may reference, and have pity on my age, for he too has a father like to me, Peleus, by whom he was begot and bred the bane of Troy, and most of all to me the cause of endless grief, who by his hand have been of many stalwart sons bereft. Yet all, though grieved for all, I less lament than one whose loss will sink me to the grave. Hector, who would to heaven that in mine arms he could have died, with mourning then, and tears, we might have satisfied our grief. Both she who bore him, hapless mother, and myself. Weeping he spoke, and with him wept the crowd. Then mid the women Hecuba poured forth her vehement grief. My child, oh, whither now, heart-stricken, shall I go, 
of thee bereft of thee who wast to me by night and day and a boast the strength of all the men of troy and women as a god they worshipped thee for in thy life thou wast the glory of all but fate hath found thee now weeping she spoke but not as yet was known to hector's wife to her no messenger had brought the tidings that without the walls remained her husband in her house withdrawn a web she wove all purple double wool with varied flowers in rich embroidery and to her neat-haired maidens gave command to place the largest cauldrons on the fire that with warm baths returning from the fight hector might be refreshed unconscious she that by achilles's hand with pallas's aid far from the path was godlike hector slain the sounds of wailing reached her from the tower tottered her limbs the distaff left her hand and to her neat-haired maidens thus she spoke haste follow me some too that i may know what mean these sounds my honoured mother's voice i hear and in my breast my beating heart leaps to my mouth my limbs refuse to move some evil sure on priam's house impends be unfulfilled my words yet much i fear lest my brave hector be cut off alone by great achilles from the walls of troy chased to the plain the desperate courage quenched which ever led him from the general ranks far in advance and bade him yield to none then from the house she rushed like one distract with beating heart and with her went her maids but when she reached the tower where stood the crowd and mounted on the wall she looked around and saw the body which with insult foul the flying steeds were dragging toward the ships then sudden darkness overspread her eyes backward she fell and gasped her spirit away far off were flung the adornments of her head the net the fillet and the woven bands the nuptial veil by golden venus given that day when hector of the glancing helm led from Eetion's house his wealthy pride the sisters of her husband round her breast and held as in the deadly swoon she lay but when her breath and spirit returned again with sudden burst of anguish thus she cried hector oh woe is me to misery we both were born alike thou here in troy in priam's royal palace i in thebes 
by wooded Placos, in Aetian's house, who nursed my infancy. Unhappy he, unhappier I, would I had ne'er been born. Now thou beneath the depths of earth art gone, gone to the viewless shades, and me hast left a widow in thy house in deepest woe our child an infant still thy child and mine ill-fated parents both nor thou to him hector shalt be a guard nor he to thee for though he scape this tearful war with greece yet not for him remains but ceaseless woe and strangers on his heritage shall seize no young companions own the orphan boy with downcast eyes and cheeks bedewed with tears his father's friends approaching pinched with want he hangs upon the skirt of one of one he plucks the cloak perchance in pity some may at their tables let him sip the cup moisten his lips but scarce his palate touch while youths with both surviving parents blest may drive him from their feast with blows and taunts begone thy father sits not at our board then weeping to his widowed mother's arms he flies that orphan boy astyanax who on his father's knees erewhile was fed on choicest marrow and the fat of lambs and when in sleep his childish play was hushed was longed to slumber in his nurse's arms on softest couch by all delights surrounded but grief awaits him now astyanax of trojans so surnamed since thou alone wast troy's defence and guard but now on thee beside the beaked ships far from thy parents when the ravening dogs have had their fill the wriggling worms shall feed on thee all naked while within thy house lies store of raiment rich and rare the work of women's hands these will i burn with fire not for thy need thou ne'er shalt wear them more but for thine honour in the sight of troy weeping she spoke the women joined her wail. End of book twenty two.